Welcome back to Movie Babble Presents Babble with Brennan. I'm your host, Brennan Dubay. I got Nick and Colin on today. It's going to be a great show. We are almost a month away from the initial release of Joker, so I, we thought it would be a good time to now go into spoiler territory. If you want to see this film, you've probably seen it by now. If not, um, don't listen to this. So this is a full spoiler talk of Joker. Um, Nick, Colin, how are you guys doing today? I'm just really excited that it's crazy to think about how it's been a month since the greatest movie of all time was ever released. And I think that's something really inspiring to all of us. Colin. I have chosen to smile and put on a happy face. So that's great. I got my two guests here. They're setting the tone early on, and I'm looking forward to a great show. Um, so first, some of the general thoughts. How do you guys feel about this film? Nick, um, we know you were a little bit lower on this film than me and Colin, but uh, just kind of go through it. Give me some general thoughts. Yeah, I I don't want to this I don't want this to sound derogatory because I, I feel like if I was 16 years old, this movie might have blew my mind. Um, and that's not really to say that anyone who likes this movie is like dumb or anything like that. But it's it feels like if you don't really understand what this movie is paying homage to, like we can get into it later, but how this movie is just so heavily indebted to movies like Taxi Driver or King of Comedy or Network. I think if you don't really have those touch points or just kind of what like the performances that Joaquin has had in his career, um, I don't, I feel like this movie could be something really interesting in that perspective because I think it's, it looks really good. It's one of the better looking movies of this year. Um, Every actor's game, I think Joaquin is certainly just, trying really really hard and we can get to that as well but uh i i think this movie is just very poorly written i don't really get i don't take anything away from this movie i'm I'm sure i'm setting the over under of we live in a society jokes for this pod at nine and a half um because i just don't really think there's anything worthwhile from from my perspective uh underneath the hood of this movie i i think it's a lot of half-hearted attempts to kind of say like oh eat the rich or uh, we need to take care of mental health. I don't think it does really anything interesting with any of those uh, perspectives. So, um, yeah, I don't really love this movie. Um, I don't hate it. I just, I think it's really interesting to watch, and it's there. It looks great. Um, and but who really cares? I mean, it's a crazy box office success. So I guess I'm very much in the minority on this one. Colin, what are some of your general thoughts? Um, so I enjoy this movie. I was really entertained by it but I don't think it's a very good movie. Um, if, if that makes sense, I think there's a lot of just like entertainment and watch value. I mean, it is something kind of unique and, and different just in terms of the superhero genre. And I like what Joaquin did, but kind of going in, in line with Nick, I, I think this kind of has lofty goals, but it doesn't really have the right team to, to help it reach its goals. Um, you know, it, it aims for some hard commentary and, and doesn't really make any of it. Um, and what little commentary it makes, I don't think it makes very well. Uh, one of the best reactions I saw on Twitter to this movie uh, was basically summing up that this is a really good movie for people who don't watch a lot of movies. Um, I mean, there, there are certainly a lot of high points of this movie. And again, I enjoyed it. But if you don't really see a lot of super deep stuff, if, if really all you watch is blockbusters, then this thing is super deep. Um, but I think compared to what it's paying homage to and really just a lot of similar films out there uh, today. It, it just falls short. I definitely see where you guys are, com- are coming from. And I think that that's a kind of a good way to sum it up there, Colin, what you, what you read there. Um, I did enjoy this film. I had a good time with it. And I think that a lot of it just goes to this technical side. I think that the production value, the production design was really good. They did a great job at building this world. I think it had a tremendous score. The cinematography was great. And I think Joaquin obviously delivers a wonderful performance that we're going to be talking about heading into the award season, most likely. I enjoyed this film. I definitely had some issues with it 100%. Um, and it's not the perfect movie, but I did enjoy it here and there. And I think there were a few times where they were a little bit too on the nose. Um, but otherwise, I did have a good time with it. But I am looking forward to getting into kind of talking about this thing. So we're going to start from the beginning, kind of dice up the film as we go along and talk about how we felt about uh, some different moments in the film. Uh, early on, we see this character, Arthur Fleck. He's They establish really early on that he's not in a in a good place and we show they show him get beat up on the street kind of flailing a sign around um we see a lot of issues with at home his mother um 
it's clear that she doesn't seem to be well. Um, there's this one sequence that I really enjoyed uh, that that he kind of pictures that he's on a Marie Marie Frank, Franklin's talk show, and I really enjoyed that scene. Um, I thought they did a good job at establishing early on where this character is and where he's coming from, and I think it definitely uh, gave Joaquin a great um, platform to display just what he's going to do in this film. I thought it was a pretty good opening. Um, what do you guys feel about the earlier parts of the film? So I'm weirdly really fascinated with Todd Phillips as a director. Um, it's very, very strange because I think it's been well documented, just kind of he started in a lot of comedy. He actually started very much in uh, documentaries with uh, I think Frat House was his first really big documentary back around 2000, somewhere in there. Um, but like he basically just bet on himself with the hangover movies um, and just basically just took points on the back end. And we all know, kind of know this by now. And he basically I think he made like 80 million dollars off the hangover um, and then just got stupid rich off of part two and part three, which I don't like to remember at all. But uh, he like he's low key one of the richest people in Hollywood. <laughs> he just made so much money off of those movies. Um, and he's he's kind of he's worked on the script for all of his movies that he's directed, all the feature all the feature films that he's worked on. Um, so in that sense, I feel like watching the beginning of Joker, you get a lot of his like a lot of what he's good at and, all, and also a lot of what he's bad at. Uh, from my perspective. So I think, I think he's great with actors uh, and he gives them a lot to play with. Cause even something like the hangover, like, like you have like, like a couple iconic performances there. Like you have Galifianakis just basically made him a star and Bradley Cooper goes up another level after that. That movie makes him a movie star. And I think this, the first scene is like you, Joaquin on just going for broke. Cause he's like already just like stretching and contorting his face, just like all, like all over the place. And, um, it's very interesting to watch, and I think he does a really good job of putting his actors in really good spots. Um, but I think on the bad side, like I just don't think the script is very good at all. Um, we'll kind of get through that as well as we go through the other parts of the movie. But um, the first act of this movie, it's kind of just like the, it's kind of like the crazy person checklist. So it's like, all right, he gets beat up by like movie bullies. It's like check, and he he's interested in this girl. It's another check. Oh, he is his he. He's a mom. He's a mama's boy, and she has health problems. Like that's another check. Like he gets fired from his job. Like um, I just didn't really like. I wasn't too invested with all of this. I think it's a lot of Joaquin elevating just really like just pretty standard material, and I think he's just trying to do that as much as he can uh, with it. And so he kind of just starts at a ten. He's movie crazy from the start, and he just kind of gets movie crazier uh, by the third act. Um, there's not really much fluctuation in his performance. Like, he's just always going for it at all times. And honestly, that kind of got exhausting for me after a while. But, uh, yeah, it's um, the first act. It's kind of what Colin was mentioning to, for, uh, to before. It's it's interesting to watch because, like I said, it looks great, uh, but I just don't really – like, it's – we've seen all of this before in my from my perspective. Yeah, and I think this movie's greatest strength, uh, certainly financially, and its greatest weakness is the fact that its character is so iconic. I mean, you're literally making a movie about the most iconic uh, villain, if not comic book character of all time. And so that makes it really difficult to start this movie and start Arthur in an unfamiliar place, because we all know how this is going to end up, uh, right? We came to see a Joker movie. Uh, we know we're getting a Joker movie. And so I think to try and combat that, they kind of like you said, Nick, just did everything terrible to him they could imagine. And we're like, yeah, he's like this average guy, but life sucks and life is super awful and, and watch, we're going to break him. Except we know he's already a pretty broken character to begin with. And so I think I think it was a difficult task. And I don't think that as a writer, um, Todd Phillips was very up to it in the the opening of the movie. Yeah, and I will say that, like, this movie, like, just to kind of expand on what I was before, like, even though I'm not, like, really invested in what's going on underneath, like, I still think, like, the scene you mentioned before, Brennan, where he he's in the crowd at the Murray Franklin show, I think that's, I mean, it's pretty, like, obvious what's going on, but I think it's, it's really interestingly filmed, um, and everything just looks really fascinating. I think Todd Phillips is doing a lot of really cool tricks as a director with all these certain cuts and all these and all these like little editing moves as well that he worked on in post production. I think there's a lot of stuff there that's really interesting. And this movie from the start, it definitely has a vision, um, and that's something that like 
not like no movies have like currently. And so he found a way to kind of Trojan horse this character study into like a superhero movie uh, mold, which I really appreciate. So even though I wasn't necessarily like on board from the start, I was like, I was very much watching it and interested to see where it was going. Cause I think, like I said, he's just, he's finding ways to stay relevant within Hollywood. And I think that's really fascinating to me. Yeah. And I don't know how much of an impact this movie will have on people on kind of mainstream film goers, um, kind of how they look at movies and what movies they want to watch. But I think this was a good way to bring this sort of story to a big audience. Um, kind of, as you said, Trojan horsing this character. I think that was a good move and it's a, it's a, it's a unique move and it's a move that I don't think would work all the time, but with Joker, it's, it's probably never going to fail. So I think there's that, um, moving on a little bit into this film. Um, we see him obviously struggling early on and we obviously see him get the gun from his coworker early on as well. And I think when he gets that, you know, there's bound to be some issues. Um, there are a few scenes in particular that really stood out for me. Uh, how do you guys feel, um, in the one scene where he's kind of performing for, uh, kids at the hospital and the gun slips out of his costume? Uh, it's a really good scene. I really like that a lot. I think, the crowd and I audibly, audibly did like the ooh, like this is really rough uh, type of thing. And I think even though that movie is that that move that scene is not necessarily subtle, um, I think it's it's definitely it's m- far more effective than I think a lot of like just the overarching like um, like arcs of these characters and where they're headed and kind of their like their uh, inner emotions and things like that. I think that that's really, I think that's really, really well staged. And I think that just goes back to Todd Phillips is just awesome with actors. And I think that cannot be understated enough. Um, I don't really, this is probably on the lower end of joke of not Joker of Joaquin Phoenix performances. uh, If you ask me, Um, but I think he's still doing a really good job. And I think Todd Phillips really sets him up to succeed. Yeah, and I think this is the first scene where we really see Arthur have a hand in the bad things that are happening to him. So, I mean, he gets he literally gets jumped in the first scene um, <laughs> and you know, just has all these problems with, with work and you, you see his mom. But this is this is the first time he's really responsible for anything uh, that's going wrong for him. And it kind of sets us off into a bigger chain of events uh, that will happen in the scene right after this. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the scene. I thought he played it off really well. And I mean, I I just loved when the gun flies out and you see like some of the people notice it at first and then he's still dancing and then everybody just freezes. And I, I thought it was played out really well. I, I really enjoyed the scene. Yeah, it was great. I think one word to describe it is chilling. I think it was a scene that um, it, it didn't it didn't have like this clean flow, but it wasn't supposed to. And I think that it really hit that really well. Um great scene in particular uh moving forward the scene that you were kind of alluding to um we see arthur get beat up yet again <laughs> um this is a common theme he's on the train this time there's three kind of these uh sleazy um oh, i don't even know what to call them sleazy but these kind of wall street jock types that are that are kind of picking on a girl and then they pick on him they beat him up on, on a subway um and he ends up obviously shooting all three of them and um it's at this moment, I mean, the first one, I guess you could make a little bit of an argument for self-defense there, but the last one, the guy has his head down and he goes up behind him and wastes him. And I didn't know if he was going to do that or not, but I, he did it. And um, that really just threw him off. And then you have the bathroom scene, which was an interesting scene, and it, it did symbolize him kind of gaining the confidence and personality, and he, he now feels something. And I think the uh, – I forget the um, name of the song that happened at that moment, uh, but but the song and the music and the score in particular um, during that bathroom scene and that little dancing scene I think was was terrific. I think it's on the soundtrack. I think it's literally called Bathroom Dance. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I think is. you're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that score, the, 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 the score of this movie, I think, is really outstanding. And I don't even know how to pronounce the composer's name. It's like Hildur um, Guanadir, Guanadir, I don't know. I butchered that ridiculously. But I think she's <laughs> she's someone to watch because she's been she's been around as a music supervisor in a lot of really good uh, movies. And I think she she worked with uh, Johan Johansson on the 
Mary Magdalene movie, which weirdly also starred uh, Joaquin Phoenix, but that time he was playing Joker, uh, not Joker, uh, Jesus. <laughs> it's just really bizarre, but I think she's someone to watch. I think the score and kind of what um, the production is on in this movie, I think, are pulling a lot of the weight. Because um, I don't really like, I think the bathroom scene is pretty terrible, if I'm being honest. Um, I think it's, um, quite frankly, I think it's kind of like film school, like like no- nothingness. Um, which is just, it's like, it's kind of like super arty farty. And this kind of goes back to my issue before where the screenwriting isn't very good because on, it looks, the scene looks great, but we're thinking about like, think about it like Joker's kind of just doing his interpretive dancing and then he morphs into this new figure, which is kind of one of the like it's like one of the most like arty farty like bits of nonsense <laughs> that i've seen in a movie like that's really like really low level from my perspective i don't think that's really interesting at all from my character perspective i think it looks great but when we think about it it's kind of ridiculous but i think that score um really um kind of saves it there and um, i don't know if you guys were uh very familiar at all with uh with the bernie gets um situation that kind of, kind of happened in i think it was like the 80s on a new york subway which um you guys you can read more more about it on uh elsewhere but it's, that's kind of what this subway scene is really an homage to um which i think is kind of interesting in practice uh, or or kind of in theory but in practice it's once again i think it's just poorly like written doesn't really understand like kind of the the layers of that bit um so it kind of seems like a weird homage to kind of like a kind of a gross uh, uh, moment in kind of civilian history. So, um, yeah, it's very, very bizarre sequence from my perspective. Yeah. And these these couple of sequences are really where most of my problems with the movie come from. Um, so, you know, one of the main themes for Arthur and for the movie in general is this whole idea of eat the rich. And it stems from these really surface level observations of them on the subway. You know, he doesn't really hit anything deep, which is, I think, where this movie really starts to separate from something like Taxi Driver or King of Comedy or I mean, literally anything Scorsese's done. Um, and it's just it never really prevents or presents any compelling reasons for why these people are terrible other than these just really easy, like, oh, they're objectifying women and they're just being kind of a dick to him instead of really getting into any subtext. And I think his whole dance scene in the bathroom uh, suffers from similar problems. So you see him kill three guys, presumably for the first time. Um, I'm I'm assuming he hadn't killed anybody before that. Um, And his response is to go dance in the bathroom. So we don't really get to explore any of his emotions, I think. Uh, We don't really get to see where he's at. You know, how does a person react to that? And even if he is a little insane... Um, right he's not gonna sit and have a conversation about it but i don't think uh dancing in the bathroom for a couple minutes was the right way to go yeah this movie's weirdly like 30 percent uh joaquin phoenix dancing <laughs> it's really strange like every time <laughs> they want to convey some like maybe like a turn in his psyche or just like they want to like outwardly show what he's thinking they just, it just goes to dance which i'm sorry if like you're if you're interpretive dancing kind of like your thoughts like like this is kind of what I would go down the street and see at like my local my local theater. Like this, like this just isn't good stuff, guys. Like, I'm, like if you loved it, cool. But like I just, it's just like I just I kind of I just kind of like raised my eyebrow when I when I saw this. Is like, are we really doing this? Uh, like it just does not work for me at all. I think the scene was. Let's just leave it out. It was a way to uh, show off the tremendous score. <laughs> <laughs> um. But you're right, it, it, it did, I see what they were trying to get at, but it, it kind of was just slapping you in the face with the fact that we are going to try to be completely artsy, uh, 100%. I think that's the biggest scene, uh, or sorry, biggest kind of sign that that's going on in this film, that scene right there. Um, moving on a little bit, so so we see him kind of gain this confidence, so to speak, and uh, he has sort of a new personality, and, and we see we see some weird kind of uh, progressions in his demeanor and, and he starts hanging out with Zazie beats his character. Um, 
which obviously later on we'll get to that, but turns out to have never happened. Uh, there's the comedy show. How cringy was that for you guys? How do you guys feel watching him uh, try to deliver that? I actually really liked there's I, we're, I'll get to that scene in a second. But I really liked the first time we go to the comedy uh, store and he's sitting there um, just like he doesn't know when to laugh. So he'll like start laughing in like the middle of the joke or kind of towards the beginning because he just doesn't have just something isn't computing within him. And I think that's I think it's one of the better moments of like the movie capturing like his mental state, because I think that's it's not again, it's not very subtle, but I think it it hints at something below the surface, which I think is where this film really struggles to do a lot where it's it's kind of it's back to uh, like if I'm going to compare it to Taxi Driver, like when Robert De Niro um, uh goes on a date to the the porn theater and it's like he's like oh i thought this would be good for you like he just doesn't like he just doesn't understand like it just like mm-hmm. that that, uh, that thought and in, in him just it never crossed that would be a bad thing and i think that's kind of something similar here where he just doesn't quite understand i think that's really good um but yeah the the scene you were f- referring to is actually i think that's also pretty well staged uh too i think it's like he, he's flipping in his notebooks and uh you see the, you see pictures of naked women in there and it's it is really really tough to sit through um then yeah it's the comedy store stuff i think is like probably like some of the my favorite thing stuff in the movie yeah and i think it ties really well into that uh quote from his mom earlier um where he's talking to her about wanting to be a stand-up comedian she goes don't you have to be funny to do that and it's, it's Shots uh, like one, one of the <laughs> i think it's one of the better moments of conflict that we get into with the mom um that we we're, we'll get into uh, another pretty big moment of conflict a little bit later on that i don't think uh, is rounded out as well as it could be uh, but i think the comedy store just like it it gives us a little off the beaten path time with arthur um some alone time with him for the most part and so I think in, in that regard, it works. And I mean, it's just super cringy to to watch him get up on stage and and uh, try to stumble through his act. Yeah, and I really do uh, commend Joaquin's performance because I think this is another scene that really shows off just how talented he is. Um, I mean, we all know how talented, talented he is, but I think this is one of the um, better moments in his performance throughout this film. And just just the way he he was able to make people feel watching that scene uh, i've only seen the film once uh since its release i saw it initially uh that first week when it came out um but one of the one of the tough things i think about a rewatch would be definitely sitting through that scene again <laughs> um so progressing a little bit throughout the film there's another little subplot we were talking about before the show and i know nick you weren't a huge fan of this subplot but uh, we see throughout the film uh, arthur's mom um, sending letters to Thomas Wayne. She has this connection to Thomas Wayne. She she always wants Thomas Wayne to to help um, her and Arthur. And it, it's odd. And I, I I didn't I didn't quite connect what was going on there. I thought that she was kind of just delusional. Um, but there was a little bit more to it in the respect that we finally find out after Arthur snoops on one of her letters that he is apparently um, Thomas Wayne's son, uh, which would make him. Um, Bruce Wayne, Batman's brother, in a sense, um, same father, at least. I think that's an odd little subplot. And during the film, I thought it was interesting to watch. But looking back on it, and especially in the days following my watch, it didn't really um, strike that well. I mean, I don't know, uh, Nick, I know you, you're not gonna be too nice to this subplot. So, so <laughs> think about it. <laughs> I think, I think this is another reason of why, like, just how, the way this movie looks and the score and like the very obvious acting, like I think it's masking just how absurd I think this subplot is. Um, like even just like we were, we're still making jokes about Martha in Batman v Superman. And now we're, we're like, we're doing, we're going back to the well again, where it's like, like these two think they're brothers and like, there's all like this mother and father drama. And I, I just don't, I don't get it. It's so convoluted and silly. Like I was, I left the theater and I was still kind of confused about what exactly happened because then they're they're hinting at the mother was like um kind of disillusioned and then she was like that she possibly had like abused him but they don't really they just kind of they kind of mention it in these sort of buzzwords like abuse and ill and all that but they don't really like that could mean anything honestly like they don't really paint they don't paint much of a picture at all and it just it kind of goes back to like i don't think anything this movie really goes for like 
in terms of like, oh, eat the rich or um, like we got to care for the, the mentally ill. Like I just don't I don't really see anything in here. <laughs> I think it's so silly. Like what like what are we doing here with this? It's so convoluted. I think all the Batman stuff in this movie, um, quite frankly, is terrible. Um, I don't like any of that stuff. And he's it's so on the nose when it's like, oh, what's your name, little boy? And he's like, oh, I'm Bruce. And it's like, oh, OK. And like I like I just like audibly groaned. I think the person sitting next to me in the theater just like looked at me because I was, <laughs> did, did it so loudly. Um, yeah, I just none just none of this stuff works for me like at all. Yeah, I think so. I said to kind of open my opinions on Joker that uh, Joker was the biggest weakness this movie had. But Batman is definitely the second biggest weakness this movie has because, um, you know, this this is supposed to be a standalone, but it is just so wrapped up and shoehorned with Batman that I think it really takes away from some better moments you could have had with Arthur and his mom or Arthur and even Murray, uh, which we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But it just yeah, it, it, it doesn't work for me. Uh, Bruce Wayne feels very forced into the story and Thomas Wayne does too for a certain extent, which kind of ties back into this whole eat the rich kind of thing. It, it never really presents any any deep arguments for it other than just these kind of surface level things and tries to force this whole uh, father-son dynamic into the mix uh, that I, I just don't think lands. But one thing I did like uh, that they shoehorned in with Batman was uh, Douglas Hodges' portrayal of Alfred. Uh, he doesn't really do a ton, but I just I liked him. He seemed to be a bit more, uh, a bit better rounded than most portrayals of Alfred. Like he actually kind of stood up and and did things that weren't just yes sir and thank you Master Wayne. Um, so <laughs> I will give Joker props for that. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because going off of that, it's like it's like one of the few times we've seen Alfred when he isn't just really old. Like I think everyone yeah. thinks of Michael Caine and all that, but. Yeah, he's just there. He's a guy. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. It's a little different perspective, but uh, yeah, like I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. But like I like the at the end with Bruce Wayne and the parents leaving the the theater and like the pearls again. Like I like I don't need. I didn't need any of this. Like every time this movie, I didn't really like this movie, and every time it connects to Batman, I thought it got worse. Um, I just it's really it really bothered me. Yeah, I didn't expect it to uh, to to try to connect to Batman as much as it did. I really did not expect that at all. And I remember early on um, when this film was very early in development and it was kind of just getting announced. I know a lot of people were kind of saying why uh, uh, a note, a Joker film without Batman. Uh, I thought a lot of people were looking kind of at this film with, with some question marks. Uh, And then as, as we got closer to it, the trailers were pretty good. People were confident. And I was like, all right, that that's pretty neat. But then they actually did shoehorn a lot of this Batman connection into the film, which really, uh, I, I I didn't want it. Um, I get the Thomas Wayne stuff for the most part, but I just didn't, I didn't expect it to, to go as far as it did. And it was definitely one of the weaker parts of the film for me as well. Um, We also have that one bathroom scene, obviously where he's talking to Thomas and, Thomas punches him in the face or whatever. Um, just touching on Thomas Wayne, he's running for mayor, if I'm not mistaken, right? I believe yeah, so. <laughs> something. Yeah. yeah, so he announced his candidacy or whatever, and he was – just this is a weird little point, but I remember one of his speeches on TV. Didn't he talk about how, like, there's there's so much scum in the city or there's, like, a lot of bad people in the city that – didn't he say something about that? Um, he talks directly about the trash problem. Yeah. Uh, which he – was when he's so in the first scene he's introduced through the newscast and he's talking about the trash problem and possibly running for mayor uh, but then that's later attributed to him as mayor and i i think thomas wayne is just kind of a low point in this movie as well um you know they could have just as easily made him mayor from the beginning and helped him take much more of a leading role and and really fed into that whole uh, eat the rich aspect of this movie but they did not yeah, I will say though, I really like Brett Cullen as a, as an actor. Um, he's the guy who plays Thomas Wayne, and he's just kind of an he's in everything, um, and I think he's doing a really solid job. I think there's like a lot of really solid solid uh, supporting performances in this movie, but um, yeah, that they're, they're propping up. Like I said, they're propping up pretty um, spotty material. Yeah, I would I would say though, um, I think he's just running a awful campaign. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't vote for him. No, I mean, I don't know. But uh, move, moving on from there, 
Um, obviously, we, we get a little bit more development in this subplot as Arthur goes to Arkham and he tries to uncover a little bit of the truth of his mom and everything like that. And that kind of stems from um, uh, the bathroom confrontation and Thomas Wayne's denying uh, denying that there is a connection between him and his mother and stuff like that. So, so we find out at Arkham um, that it is a lie, apparently, and, and there's just all these other little things throughout there. Um, what, what, how do you guys feel about that sort of uh, display that this, this was all sort of a lie? And just that whole Arkham sequence in general. Well, at first I was like, ah, sudden, uh, sudden Brian Tyree Henry. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. that's like the one scene he's in. Um, it's kind of funny because they show him in the trailer. You expect him to have a little bigger role. But now he's just there. It's behind behind that little cage dealing with all the archives. Um, uh, I think the scene itself, I think, is really interesting. Um, it's kind of like the theme for all for like this podcast in general, I think it's kind of interesting and flashy to watch where their back and forth there is really good. Um, but yeah, like I, I just, <laughs> we're going back to this. I just hate the Batman stuff. And I think this subplot is ridiculous. So it's propped up by bad material there. So in the end, I was just like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm done here. I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to see this. Yeah. I'm pretty much going to echo that. Um, it just feels really hollow and uh, yeah, they're just, kind of vague and, and unspecific about everything. And as a result of that, I, d- I don't think this subplot really amounts to um, anything that they really wanted it to when they were making the movie. Yeah, not quite playing devil's advocate here, but just kind of looking at things from a different lens, um, kind of touching on supporting characters and stuff like that. The film heavily, obviously, it's a standalone Joker movie, but it really heavily just relies on Joaquin. Like, there isn't really... Um, much of an interplay with any of the other uh, performers in here at all. I mean, Zazie Beetz has her little string of scenes that she's in, um, which is a little bit of a subplot there. Same as Thomas Wayne, he's in a little bit of a subplot. But there's no, I guess the mother you could argue, but she, but she doesn't add a ton to the story directly. It's a lot of what she's done in the past. Um, the film really is just his story. There really is not much else going on there. And I think that's one of the reasons why you don't see them dive a lot into this other sort of, um, this other sort of, um, rich versus poor type scenario. Like they don't, as you said, a lot of it's surface level. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why they don't do that just because it is such a single character focused film. But, they played it up as they were saying so much about um, all these social problems. So they definitely did drop the ball there. I think this movie has a lot of characters that drive the plot forward, uh, but not a lot that really drive the story forward. And I I think that's really where it suffers the most. Yeah, I would agree. I I think that's definitely a good way to put it. Um, I did, I did enjoy a lot of the performances. And as you said, Nick, I think one of the first things you said, every, every other actor in this film's game, and it was cool to see a good, uh, Robert De Niro performed as well. I mean, he actually put something into this performance. He's not in it much, but he put something into this performance, and I thought that was uh, pretty pretty neat and pretty fun there. Um, uh, but kind of moving past that Arkham scenario, we see uh, Arthur Fleck now go to uh, the hospital to see his mother, who had previously um, fallen or whatever. Something happened. She's in the hospital now, and he, he goes there, and he kills her. Um, were you guys surprised by this at all? Um, I was. I didn't really expect that to happen, but um, again, like I wasn't super invested in much of this, so like, I can't really say like I was like I was so broken when I saw it. But it actually was very shocking and quite upsetting. Uh, there's a few there's a few moments of of violence in this movie. Um, it's actually really interesting because for all the discourse around it, it was like, oh, this movie's going to be so violent and things like that. And it, for the most part, it really isn't. But there's just a few moments that it, this movie is so grimy and visceral that. When they happen, um, it's very upsetting. Uh, we'll get to the other one in a moment. But yeah, this was was it was genuine. I was genuinely like upset just at the at the just the grossness of it. It was really it was really disgusting, and I guess it was uh, quite fitting, and it worked really in that scene, even though if I wasn't really super into those characters. Yeah, I almost wish the scene had come a little bit later in the movie. Um, so we'll talk about. The, the most gruesome death in the movie here pretty soon. Um, but I almost wish the scene would have come afterwards just to kind of ease him into that detachment and, and really continue to break him down kind of at a steady pace instead of jumping around a little bit, because I think the more gruesome death that comes a little while afterwards feels really underplayed 
and just feels kind of redundant after we've already seen this one. But I, but I do think just for kind of the, the grittiness of it, I think it worked. So um, moving forward past this scene, he now kind of goes home and Arthur now gets a little bit of uh, alone time. I mean, it, it, he's got no one else in his apartment, um, no mom to look after him. <laughs> um, all jokes aside, um, there's a few weird things that happens when when he gets back. Uh, one thing I do remember, this is when we actually do find out that Zazie Beats was her character was never with him throughout all their past dates or past hangouts, and they never really had a connection. I thought that scene was done really, really well. Um, it's one of my favorite scenes in the film, probably. Um, I thought it was a really good sequence for the most part. What about you guys? Um, I well, I guess. I knew from the start that something was weird here, right? Because, like, she's just immediately like very interested in him, and I was just like, well, like, what, like, what is happening? Like, this is so bizarre. Like, this isn't how relationships work, and I'm very concerned for everyone involved. Um, so then, when this happens, it was like, oh, okay, this is better because I was worried. I was very worried there for a while that it was just gonna like she was just gonna be interested in him because it was just so bizarre, but. Um, in retrospect, you can really see that coming. Um, I didn't, I didn't need the, um, the flashbacks to her not being there. And cause I, I could from him, just from like the conversation where it's like, Oh, you like, you live down the hall. Like you can, you can understand from that, that she was, that he, that, uh, Arthur was hallucinating her the whole time. And I think those flashbacks I thought were probably, it was probably a producer note cause they just weren't very necessary at all. I agree with that part of it. Um, but before they went into the flashbacks, I really enjoyed up to there. I think that that was probably the, the only part that I was kind of questioning, but the actual just initial kind of, uh, not subtle, but just kind of ambiguous her coming out and, and referring to him as the guy down the hall. Um, and just the look on her face. I think that was done really, really well, uh, for the most part, but yeah, I agree there. It's, it's, Zazie Beats is like it's like the one of the few moments where I think she gets material to work with, where she's genuinely frightened and she has her child, and I think that's a really affecting moment. I definitely agree there. Um, the moment that that's really solid. Yeah, and I I think their relationship does feel a little just off key the entire time, and then when you get to that scene, it really just comes full circle, and you're like, okay, I see where they're going with this. Um, so I did appreciate that twist but i wish it would have gotten more precedence over the whole thomas wayne bruce wayne uh stuff they try to cram in because i think the impact could have been much greater if this was much more of a recurring thing Um, because other than that she really only appears in the elevator scene and then during their little montage uh, where he kisses her and they go on the date and then again in this scene and her role is just very underplayed for as heavy hitting as they wanted this twist to be yeah Yeah, i would have Sorry, I just want to jump in here, but I would have I would have loved to see the um, the diner scene uh, we have. We talked about it earlier where um, it starts in the comedy club and he's on stage and then they go out to a, a diner afterwards. I would have loved to, for there to be like kind of like maybe like a couple of minute conversation between the two of them there. I think that's a, would have been really effective. Um, and I think Colin, that's a really good note where I think there's just too much going on in this movie. There's just so many different like subplots going on. I think if you streamline get rid of all of the Batman stuff and you really just focus on this relationship and you kind of just like sit with these characters for a second. Um, I think it would have been really effective because that's one of the reasons I think taxi driver is so good. Cause it just, it sits in these scenes for so long that you understand Robert Junior's character, uh, less of just like a crazy person. You understand why he's crazy and kind of the things like kind of just his inner, inner psyche in that way. And I feel like that would have really gotten at something, um, a little more profound if we just kind of see him talking to this woman and you see how his mind is projecting that a woman would talk to her, um, talk to him. And I think that would be really good, but it's, it's, it's very much a missed opportunity. I would like to definitely seen that, uh, like a little bit of a dialogue, uh, scene them at the diner. I think that would have been really neat and it might've, uh, helped set up this reveal a little bit better for sure. I could definitely agree with that. Um, so after that, though, we see him, as I said, he kind of gets him alone time at home and he's kind of playing around um, watching TV. Uh, he gets in the fridge. Um, <laughs> um, that, that was odd to watch. That, that was also a scene that I, I thought it was a little bit funny. Um, it had some laughs there. <laughs> uh, it, it was weird to watch, though. It was weird to watch. And then his fortunes change when he gets 
fortunes uh, change yet when he gets a call from uh, obviously the Murray uh, Franklin show and they want him on. Uh, they they like him and they uh, think that he he's a interesting uh, guy to bring on the show. <laughs> um, I knew at that point things weren't going to go well. Um, how about you guys? I just I feel like the fridge scene. They were like, "Shit, we don't have anything for this." They were like, uh, "Joaquin, uh, do something. Just." Do anything and he was like <laughs> him just being method you started messing with shit and he was like ah, i'll just go and i'll go yeah. in the fridge that'll work yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's very bizarre it's one of those things it, i think that's a great um it's just a little uh like a snapshot of just just this movie just isn't very well written uh it's i've kind of hit hard over this podcast where it's like like what is that like i get that he's kind of losing it like altogether, but that's just a very bizarre uh, representation of that, that I just, I, I also laughed, but I think that's an unintentional laugh from my perspective. <laughs> yeah. I think the first time I saw this, this scene, um, I was a little unsure of it just because, you know, you come off that, that big twist that, you know, um, he's the uh, story we've seen so far isn't as reliably told as we thought it was. And so I was like, is, is this real? I mean, we already had that fake Murray flashback earlier. Um, so I was a little inquisitive. And yeah, the fridge scene just kind of feels a little weird. Um, but I think as a way to move this story into the third act, I, I think it works well enough. Yeah, and I wanted to touch on that real quick. Do you think that there's a lot in this film that... Um as you said, kind of looking back at the reveal of how they were never kind of a couple or the, the Murray flashback early in the film. Do you think there's a lot in this movie that isn't clear in terms of it didn't actually happen? Do you think that they were really trying to go for that? Or you think what they showed didn't happen is, is, is the only thing that didn't happen? Well, there's a, there's that prevailing theory, like kind of around everywhere where the movie ends and like, or the character's journey ends when he goes in the fridge and maybe he kills himself or something like that. And then after that, it's just kind of like him, like his mind going wild or something like that, which um, I don't really prescribe to that theory. I think it's very interesting and a really fun way to for us to kind of think around like a poorly written scene. Um, but I think that's kind of fun. It's a fun little like thing that we can think about. Yeah, I mean, I think... Todd Phillips has really only added to the mess in his interviews since the movie. Um, but I think if there were other things that were meant to have actually happened or were not meant to have actually happened, I don't think using Arthur as a, um, as an unreliable narrator was done strongly enough. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. It would be cool to see them explore that a little bit more, but um, especially with the end scene, actually, uh, if you just remember him in, now i guess in arkham asylum when he's sitting and he and he looks up and he says uh and she and she's kind of asking like what's funny he's laughing i believe and he looks up at the at the lady uh, and he says you wouldn't get it um that was odd i think we'll get to that a little bit later on but that's something that made me question a lot of the film um so moving on from that we have two of his co-workers show up in his apartment um and this is the kill we've been talking about, we've been alluding to on the podcast. How do you guys feel uh, <laughs> throughout this scene? So I think the kill of him just bashing the guy's head against the wall, I think is really, really effective. Uh, it's one of the few moments in the movie where I had the, a very strong visceral reaction to it. Um, it was really upsetting um, and I think very solidly staged in that sense. But I think after that, um, I just didn't really like the rest of the scene. The, the the whole bit with the with the little person not being able to reach the doorknob, I think that was a really like I think that was a very very poor use of humor. I did I thought that was just kind of like a, a mood killer. I I thought that was very in very poor taste, and I just didn't really like that at all. But um, I I think it's it's just another just set piece for Joaquin to be like, look how good of an actor I am, uh, and in that in that sense, I guess it, it it succeeds a little bit. But yeah, that that little bit at the end i just it just did not work for me i know people like memes are going nuts about it and think it's the most hilarious thing ever but i <laughs> i did it was not it, it did not work for me i don't think we should be laughing during that scene yeah and this is part of where the reliability or unreliability of the story uh, doesn't work for me and that's with 
I can't think of the character's name, but the bigger guy that he slams against the wall um, comes in. And they're sort of hinted at earlier in the film the idea that maybe he didn't give Arthur the gun and Arthur asked for it or stole it or, or somehow took it uh, without his knowing. And they never really make that clear. So when Arthur attacks him, you kind of get it because it was also stated earlier that this guy was uh, telling their manager that, you know, Arthur was asking him about the gun, but they never really bring any res- resolution to that conflict. And so it it feels like they were going more just for a gut reaction with the murder than uh, any real service to the story, especially with, um, you know, where Arthur had just come from and where he's headed to at this point in the movie. And it also, it also really bothered me. Um, this is like, there's at the beginning of the scene, it's like, oh, hey, Arthur, like, how you doing? And they're like, kind of like a little like nervous around him. He's like, oh, it's like, I'm off my meds. I'm feeling great. And it's like, kind of like one of the, it's like the first like reference to like his mental health, like since like he was talking um, to the social services woman about like how she doesn't ever listen to him and things like that. And um, I think that, that's kind of what bothers me about this discussion of mental health in this movie, where it's, it's taking a back seat to all this weird stuff and all these subplots that just don't really matter. Um, it's, it's like, we go like, what, like a half hour with like between mentions of just like any like allusions to like his like state of mind. Uh, so that it's just like, Oh yeah. Like he's like, he's, he had medication. Like it's like, that's, that's something that should be on the forefront of your mind at all times, uh, which is kind of just one of my just bigger issues in general with this movie. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, um, just kind of moving forward from that scene in particular, I mean, we have that obviously gory kill and I thought it was mostly effective. I'm kind of with you there, Nick. Um, following that, we have a pretty uh, interesting scene that has uh, caused a lot of uh, chatter online, obviously the stairs sequence. Um, <laughs> um, but but we have this stairs sequence and it's, it's odd. It, it's a little bit odd. Um, I don't know if we, we really want to go into it because there isn't really much there. I mean, Nick, you, you touched on it earlier on. He kind of dances to show a turn in his psyche. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have anything to add about that sequence? Um, it's not only odd, it's batshit insane. Um, like he's like, it's the Hey song is like playing during this. I'm like, what is this? Like, is this like an eighties comedy? Like, like, I was so confused. And then it's like the abrupt ending when, like, the cops show up and they're like, hey, hey, you, stop it. And then he's like, oh, shit. And then he runs away and, like, there's this chase. It's like, it's such a weird interlude. Like, it feels like they're, like, had time and, like, they had, they wanted to use that staircase for something. And it's like, all right, just, just put it there. Like, we'll just start, like, Joaquin, start dancing. And he's like, oh, fuck it. Like, let's just do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm for it. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. I, I also found it a little awkward. And I mean, the whole cop scene uh, that ends the the dance on the stairway uh, feels a little forced too. Um, And we've talked about that uh, for the majority of this pod, just talking about how crammed this movie is. And uh, we talked about with the bathroom scene, just kind of how these dance scenes really seem to take the place of any real genuine, like in-depth exploration of kind of where Arthur's head is at. And so I, well, it was entertaining to watch him dance on the stairs. Um, I think it's more entertainment than it is substance. <laughs> uh, yeah, it took me out of it a little bit for sure. Um, it's odd, but I knew that the stairs would play some sort of role because I remember early on, I mean, he's coming home from work. He's not in a good mood and he's kind of mumbling up those stairs with his head down. I knew that obviously the uh, uh, there'd be a big kind of play on it at the end where he kind of has overcome overcame everything and he's jumping down the stairs all happy i just didn't expect that song to be the one that played um but yeah as you guys said there was then the police officers that kind of break up the scene at the end it's bill camp and shay wiggum the two detectives um and they've kind of been on his tail for a little bit uh throughout the film they kind of suspect him potentially of um the the train killings er- earlier on and uh after his mother they probably um, we're a little bit more suspicious about things. So they're after him. Um, they go through the subway. It's a lot of commotion. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of riots downtown. Um, everyone's got their clown masks on. Um, I actually really did like this scene when they're kind of chasing him through the subway. I think it was probably a dumb move on the cops part. because <laughs> I just don't think it's something I would do in their shoes, especially with what's going on in the city at the time. But I thought it was a pretty effective scene for the most part, kind of showing him transition and get through um, 
this chaos. Yeah, I'd like to bring up the question if uh, Bill Camp and Shea Wiggum, if they're good at their jobs or not. Um, I think they're pretty terrible detectives. <laughs> That's kind of all I said. It's like, oh, like they just start running after the guy and then they just like start shooting. Like they accidentally, like their their gun goes off and it's like, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> and then they get tackled and presumably like, you, I think you hear later on the news, like they were like in critical but stable condition in the hospital. So it's like, yeah, they kind of kind of got what they deserved like they were kind of assholes right <laughs> yeah it wasn't a good move at all <laughs> not a good move not a great plan <laughs> <laughs> so then following that sort of transition he he actually gets to the uh to the murray show he's getting to that comedy show it's going to be a good time and that's when we get the classic line of uh when you bring me out can you introduce me as joker <laughs> and this is kind of when he's made that full transcendence into the joker um supposedly and it, it was an interesting scene i mean you have obviously De Niro's character murray who's kind of into it i mean he really wants to see what this guy's going to bring um his producer or manager or something is is really against it especially with what's going on um but i guess murray's popular he gets the last say on his show uh and then it kind of sets up this ending sequence and this this all-out kind of reveal of 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 this this character and he he sits on the show he's got two other panelists with him and he's getting interviewed by murray and then things start going downhill um this was an odd scene because i i I felt the tension obviously there's a ton of tension and it's slowly building you know something's going to go on here um you know murray's probably not going to make it out alive (laughs) um and i i did enjoy the build-up but there was one moment in particular that that really got me and and really took me out of the film completely despite really enjoying that scene for the majority of it and that is just pretty much the line that he says before uh, before killing Murray. Um, before we get into that, how did you guys feel about sort of the the build up to that sequence? Uh, I really loved it, actually. This is I think this is one of the few scenes that I really really enjoyed. I think this is probably the best work that we've seen from De Niro in like a while, like maybe this decade. Um, I mean, obviously the Irishman's coming out, so I assume that'll definitely top that but it's even if this is like a blatant like it's definitely an homage to the jerry lewis character in king of comedy but i just didn't i just didn't see it as much more than kind of like a blatant ripoff of that um but i think he's doing a really good uh job and he has that really fun kind of like old-timey uh like late night show like host like kind of like feel to him where he's just bouncing around he's got the really like like family friendly jokes that are kind of are very obvious and really fun. Uh, I think he's really good in this scene. And I think um, it's Dr. Like actually Dr. Ruth um, sitting next to Joker. And she's just kind of just over there being like, Oh, I don't like any of this. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot of good tension there. I think it's, I think it's really, really well staged. Yeah. I enjoy uh, the Murray Franklin scenes. Um, and I think I'm going to bring it up again, but I, I think, Murray and Thomas Wayne really detract from each other's role in the movie um, because you have big gaps in the movie where it's, you know, moving off into the, the Thomas Wayne uh, is his father subplot or Thomas Wayne is the potential mayor and really kind of detracts from this father dynamic that is just kind of under the surface there with Murray. And I think if we had seen more Murray more than just in a few blurbs on TV, um, that this could have been a lot more impactful but I think the build-up to it, while he's um, in the in the uh, dressing room, and even while he's just having that little dialogue with Murray and with uh, Mark Maron's character uh, outside his dressing room, I, I think it all works really well. And it's just his little dance into the studio seems appropriate for the first time in the movie. Um, you have like the the camera guy looking at him uh, back behind the curtain, like what's going on with this guy? And so I think the build-up here actually works really well for me. Um, yeah, I, I do also enjoy. Uh obviously a lot of Murray scenes. I think he does embody that kind of late night uh, comedy host really well. And um, it's just that one turn when he finally snaps and, and he says it, I'm not going to, yeah, I'll say the line here. <laughs> so he, he pretty much, says, <laughs> I want uh, a dramatic reenactment, please. <laughs> uh, we're not going to go that far today. No dramatic reenactment today. Um, but Arthur pretty much says, or Joker at this point, he says, what do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner with a society that abandons him and treats him like trash? You get what you fucking deserve. And then he blows Murray's head uh, with that pistol. And you know what? I thought that line completely took me out. I mean, that was way too on the nose. It was way too much. But I didn't mind the way things happened. I thought it was a pretty 
gross looking scene, uh, especially just the way he shot him and, and just the blood flies back on the wall. He falls back in the chair. That was pretty shocking. You knew it was going to get there. You knew something was going to happen. Um, but uh, I don't know. That line was a bit too much for me. Yeah, it's it's one of many things in this movie that did not work for me. And we've we've heard them throughout this podcast. Yeah, this movie has some problems. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys problems. knew that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? And, and even with this scene, I mean, there's a lot of things throughout the film, actually, that I don't that that while I don't love them, I don't mind them. And I don't I wouldn't kind of detract them all the way down to the levels that uh you have Nick at, at some points. <laughs> um, but this is one moment in particular. I think this is the weakest spot of the film. I wouldn't say it's it's weak kind of from a narrative standpoint, but just dialogue and what they're trying to get at and just the whole aim and direction of the film. I think it's completely, uh, I wouldn't say uncalled for, but it's just completely, it just, it takes it a step too far and it took me out of the film. Um, but following this, uh, he, he's arrested, obviously. He, he's in the police car. He's trying to, uh, he's, he's on the way to, I guess, supposedly uh, jail or the, um, I guess, a precinct. But the riots are going on through the city. Things are going wild. He ends up uh, getting out of the cop car as a uh, another vehicle ramps the cop car. They're kind of hailing him as the king uh, of the evening. And obviously that's the moment where um, Thomas Wayne and um, the mother there also get shot. And Bruce is there as well. And the pearls and all that. The classic scene that I did not expect to see in this film. <laughs> um, but, it, but it happened. Um, I didn't mind that scene for the most part. Not touching on the... Uh, the Wayne scene, but, but just the chaos in the streets. I didn't mind that for the most part. Um, what, what do you guys feel about kind of this ending and how this thing kind of came together before we get to the, uh, Arkham scene at the very end? Yeah. The riots are, are, I don't want to say fun, but they're very, they're very, uh, enthralling to watch. I think it's really well staged. Um, like the, as much, as much as I don't really like this movie. Um, I think the, the moment where the Joker like spreads his blood uh, to make the, his smile, I think it is a pretty cool touch. I think that was kind of fun, um, and we're not fun, which is very like it's very engrossing and engaging, and it's it's just a, it's it's kind of an iconic moment in, in a non-iconic movie, uh, which is kind of how I describe it there. But yeah, the the Batman stuff, as I've mentioned before, I really hate. I I think we we don't need um, the the Wayne's dying scene anymore in movies, at least for like 50 years. <laughs> like whenever, when all of us like die and it's like, Oh, like no one's ever seen this on film ever again. Cause no one watches old movies, uh, little kids from generations to come. Uh, but like, we just like the pearls and like, it's so like, I just don't like, I like, we need to have a moratorium on this. And like, if I, if I see this in the Robert Pattinson Batman, I'm going to like lose my mind. Cause it's just like, we've, we like, we know this, like like we're we're done. Like we've moved past it. Like we we don't need to see it anymore. Um, this is a scene in particular that uh, a lot of scenes, obviously in films, you the longer or the more you think about them, weeks and weeks and weeks go on. You things may sour on you. This is a scene that started really low for me and has actually gotten a bit better. Oh, interesting. Time, but not in a way that I I embrace it and I love it. But when I first watched the film initially, this was my least favorite part of the movie. Since then, I've thought, um, you know what, eh, it's all right. Um, it's not good at all, but I didn't kind of pan it as much as I initially did kind of after a few days or a few weeks of thinking about it. I think that it's neat that the chaos of kind of the Joker's first big strike on uh, Gotham resulted in their death. I think that made it a little bit nice, that it, neat, Sorry, that it was just the chaos of the situation that led to their death. Um, but it did take me out of the film watching it for sure yeah so by my count this is the fifth time we've seen batman's parents die on film <laughs> god damn <laughs> like we know this story by now um <laughs> so yeah that, that part feels a little forced and you know the, the city just kind of rallying behind uh the joker which doesn't make a ton of sense you know especially because he just killed a fairly beloved tv personality right before that and i mean he, he hasn't really been in the public eye very much until really until that riot um so it doesn't make just the most sense to me but i did appreciate what he did uh with 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 the reveal and uh, where he when he climbs out and uh, i think this is another dance that 
works well enough uh, for <laughs> dance number four, dance number five in the movie. I think it, it finally starts to kind of hit its mark. I, I will say, that, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead, Brennan. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I think I'll say uh, there'll definitely be, I think we have enough uh, of those sequences of the Waynes dying that some clickbait articles can do uh, rankings of the uh, Wayne family death. Um, I think we're pretty much at that point. There's enough enough material out there over the years. Yeah, you, you, you won't see that article in Movie Babble, that's for sure. I will not allow that to happen. <laughs> but I will say, um, it kind of this kind of puts a button on this part. Like, isn't he if I remember this correctly, isn't isn't there like a like Jesus imagery as they're pulling him out of the car? Um like Yeah, when they lay him on the roof, yeah his, uh, his hands are spread out. And it's uh that's just great. That's another it feels like they took that from Zack Snyder or something like that. It just feels like something he pulled out of, like that was shot for Batman v Superman, and then they were like, "Nah, we can't use that. We'll use that later on." <laughs> <laughs> I just did. I was like, "Oh, cool, cool guys. Thanks, thanks for that. I really needed that uh, point." <laughs> Jesus imagery. Wow. <laughs> um, but following this sequence, there there isn't too much more in the film. But obviously, we have that end scene as we touched on earlier where you don't really know if everything you just watched even really occurred. Um, he's sitting down in Arkham. He's talking to, um, I guess, someone who's trying to get get some information out of him. It seems like someone who's maybe at the very least trying to help him with his situation. Um, he's laughing. She says, what's so funny or something like that. He says, you wouldn't get it. And that's just an interesting, interesting moment. And he comes out of that room then, I guess, with uh, blood on his feet as you see him walking down the hall and leaving uh, bloody shoe prints. Um, that scene just, it, it, it definitely, I mean, this film's an odd film to watch and there's a lot in there that people are going to talk about afterwards, but that just was the absolute double layer of icing on this cake. <laughs> it's a great meme, isn't it? Like I've seen it just all the time. It's a wonderful meme that I've used myself like 10 times. Like for that, I guess my appreciation for Joker is that the amount of memes that have come from it, uh, it's really fun in that perspective. But yeah, it's uh, it's something, that's for sure. Yeah, great strides for meme culture have been made with this movie. <laughs> uh, but we're not done. Like I, I probably see a new Joker meme format once a week. Um, so I'm, I'm very proud of what it's done for the internet community. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean finishing up with that there isn't too much more to talk about about the actual substance within the film but i mean i think there are there's a lot to take away from this movie there there's pros there's cons and there's ups and there's downs it is a movie <laughs> um but now it has grossed a little over 950 million dollars worldwide this this film is the highest grossing r-rated movie by far it's well on its way to a billion dollars um do you guys see this film gaining a lot, a little bit, no traction or all the traction in award season. How do you think this is going to perform? Um, I think weirdly, like a lot of Academy people have come out and said like, oh, I don't know if I want to award such a controversial movie when it's it's really not that controversial uh, from my perspective. But I think Warner Brothers is definitely going to stage a massive campaign. I mean, they have the money for it. So I think I think we're definitely going to see Joaquin uh for best actor um i'm gonna say no for best picture i don't think that's gonna happen even though it's a crazy success but i think something like production design is very much a possibility i think score i think is definitely in there as well um it'll definitely be around i think it's gonna be not it won't be in like other than uh best actor i don't think it'll be a, a lot of like the the highlight the big time uh awards but i think it's definitely gonna have some type of um appearance there come Oscar season. Yeah, I, I certainly think there's going to be some more buzz around this, more talk around this. Um, but I think it'll walk away with some awards, which awards exactly, I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, we also uh, have had some Oscars controversy in the, the past years, so I, I won't be surprised what it, whatever it walks away with. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to wait to see how things shake up uh, when award season is really, really in the thick of it and uh, we see all the noms get released. But I think that definitely there's a play for Best Actor in a couple of the technical uh, categories as well. There's going to be a play there for sure. I don't know how much success this this is going to get at the award circuits, but I definitely think it'll be uh, sort of a topic of discussion. Um, with that, though, I want to thank you guys for coming on. It was a great chat, great little breakdown of 
uh, one of the more um, talked about films of the year for sure. I mean, it's definitely up there with uh, Endgame as kind of one of the bigger talking point films of the year across not only um, the film world, but across just mainstream pop culture as well. So thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, Brennan. Yeah, anytime. And uh, with that, we're going to wrap it up. That's uh, Babble with Brennan, another great episode. Thank you guys so much again for coming on, and we'll see you all next time.